This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Coo Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grawn, New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and close to us, sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, the culture and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan. I am your host and your Fireside Bard. And I am now saying that for the 200th time. Welcome to the 200th episode of Fireside. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we return to our roots. We return to the great Ulster cycle with a tale that revolves and goes into the great cattle raid of Cooley. This is the cattle raid of Freak, Antonbo Freak. This is Here Lies Freak, Son of Maeve. But first, a very big, warm, the warmest possible welcome to you all. I cannot actually tell you how much anxiety and how much I've been putting off actually sitting down to record this episode because it is it's it's 200 I can't say that enough it's a it's a huge it's a huge number to have reached now it's four years of this podcast and some of you listening out there have been there since the beginning some of you stopped and came back some of you never stopped listening some of you have joined along the way three years ago two years ago one year ago some of you have joined only a couple of months ago and have already caught up and to each and every one of you i'll never be able to thank you enough for giving me a constant reason to keep doing this every time i hear from every one of you every time i see the the and numbers keep going up the the listenership keep going up uh, that is the only reason i am still doing it after all this time and for 200 it had to be a special tale and i was trying to think what could it possibly be we've done so much i knew it had to go back to the the roots of this podcast for sure and I knew there were still stories out there and in looking for this story this this ended up being a story that I discovered um during 2020 during covid when I actually went to Rathcrone the former site of Crohan Fort and I went to Onagawat to the cave of cats to the entrance to hell where Queen Maeve was to have sent all of her troops. Supposedly they went in and took psychedelics and only if they survived going into this cave that just lies off a back road, off a little boreen. It's not advertised really at all. It's perfectly protected and it's just this little cave underneath a mound. But on top of the cave, there is a, a stone, a headstone 
and that reads in Om in the ancient Celtic alphabet. Here lies Freyk, son of Maeve. This was a name I didn't know. This was, I had already done the Ulster cycle at this point. I knew a lot about Queen Maeve, but I'd never encountered this Freyk character. And that always stuck in my mind. I had a I had a necklace around my neck for a long time with that that Om stone. I, I had always kept thinking about it. And when I went home, I discovered that this was, he was this other great hero that predated the Ulster cycle. And not only that, that he belongs to an entire series of stories. They were known as uh, the Calorade of Cooley and Thombo Cúna, the great epic of Irish mythology. That was performed in bardic circles in, in Gaelic Ireland as the main evening's event. That was always going to be taking up several hours. But you can't, like go straight in with something like that. So before the big story, they would tell what were known as Ravescale, which were like pre-tales, so smaller, shorter tales. But from this and from the Cattle Raid of Cooley, an entire, um, an entire basically cycle of its own of Cattle Raid stories came up. And the Cattle Raid of Freyk is one of these. And there are about, um, there are about 14 or 15 of them. And they're much harder to find sources for. I haven't been able to find a physical book of them yet, but I've been finding a lot of sources online. And this is definitely 200 feels like the perfect time. Freck is, it's, has been with me for a couple of years and he's finally getting his moment to shine now. And he has also given me this gift of this entire other group of stories uh, that I can't wait to share with each and every one of you. It's the beginning of a brand new chapter for Fireside. Um, we will, of course, chat way more afterwards. But before we get into it, of course, all the usual things. Even now, I do have to say them. Please do follow me over on Instagram at Fireside Bard. Share this on your story. Message me. Let me know what you think about it. If you have any thoughts, queries, suggestions for the podcast, always let me know. I always love, love hearing from every one of you. Um, you can buy my book, Garden Sea, my neo-myth of home, my great joy and passion, that little, little, silly little book, which is now a year out. It's been published a year ago. And thank you so much to everyone who has bought it. Um, it's not too late to order it for Christmas. Um, it might not get across the seas. It might not get to the US anymore. But if anyone's looking for a late Christmas presents, but it still should arrive anywhere in Ireland if anyone wants to get it. But anyone we can order it, you can order it in paperback on the Headstuff website or instantly on Kindle version uh, from Amazon. Um, or you can, of course, join Headstuff Plus at headstuffpodcast.com if you wanted to. Um, send me an even thank you or a, um, a donation for the 200th episode. If if you even wanted to join for a month or a couple of months, you can join for as little as five euro a month or pay more if you want and gain access to bonus material for Fireside and for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network. And it does actually seem, I, I inquired about this and I was looking around and I asked the lads at Headstuff because there are podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network that predate mine. Some are still going, some others aren't. And But I looked up and it seems that I might be the first Headstuff Podcast Network podcast to reach 200 episodes, which is an incredibly, incredible honor um, especially since so many of the other podcasts on the network are, are podcasts I greatly admire. Some of them were the reasons that I wanted to approach Headstuff in the first place, as I say, in the <clears throat> when I would introduce the other ads for the other networks on the or the other podcasts on the network. 
Um, so to have possibly reached this uh, milestone for the first time and and for it to be the start of bigger and better things is a huge, huge thing. And I'm very, very proud of it. And again, thank you to all of you. It's, it's entirely down to all of you. But I won't, um, I won't plug or talk anymore for now. We'll get right into it. I've put this off for long enough. This is the 200th episode of Fireside. This is Here Lies Freck, Son of Maeve on Fireside. Here lies Freck, son of Maeve. The great epic of the island of Era is on Thorn Bokuna, the cattle raid of Cooley. When the collected forces of Connacht fought against the united armies of Ulster, and all this war and bloodshed was fought over two bulls, two pieces of livestock. For in Gaelic Ireland, livestock was wealth, and wealth was power. But despite being the grandest and most famous, the cattle raid of Cooley is not the only time blood was spilled over a cow. It is far from the only thorn. When the great pillow talk occurred between Queen Maeve of Connacht and her husband, Alil, Playful post-coital banter soon turned to war. Maeve and Alil each thought themselves richer, and thus the more valuable partner. And when all the jewellery and forts and soldiers had been accounted for, Queen Maeve was disgusted to discover her husband was richer than her by exactly one bull. But what a bull. Finn Vanach the great white-horned bull of Connacht. The only equal to this monstrous beast was Dun Cúna, the brown bull of Cooley, in the province of Ulster. So Queen Maeve negotiated to borrow Dun Cúna from his owner for exactly one year. However, during the handover, Maeve's messenger became drunk and told the Ulster men that with or without permission, Maeve would seize the bull. The negotiations were at an end, and the frustrated Maeve elected to raise an army to march on Ulster and take the bull by force. But to do that, Maeve needed allies. The armies of Ulster were the greatest in era. They were the Red Branch Knights. Not only that, but they had in their midst the mighty Cúchulain the Hound of Ulster, the Celtic teenage hulkish Heracles. One valuable advantage that Maeve did have was the service of Fergus MacRock, the former King of Ulster, who had been tricked out of his crown by the current King Conchabar MacNassa. Also, Fergus's name meant manliness son of stallions. So there's that. Fergus had initially remained loyal to Conchabar, but following the king's treacherous murder of the sons of Ishnok and his forced marriage to Deirdre of the Sorrows, which resulted in Deirdre's suicide, had caused Fergus to defect from Ulster and march with 3,000 loyal soldiers to Cruachan in the west of Ireland, to the fort and the services of Alil and Maeve and the kingdom of Connacht. 
But would the army of one province and the legion of an exiled king be enough to face the Red Branch Knights? Would it be enough to fight Cucullan? Maeve didn't just need armies. She needed champions. One who could fight the Hound of Ulster in single combat. One who just might be able to do that was Freyk. Freyk was a fearless fighter, but one who only fought when peace was no longer an option. He took no shame in the kill, but neither did he lust for blood. This courage, bravery, and restraint of spirit made Freyk as desirable as any hardened Celtic warrior could be. He was also beautiful to boot, an all-and-out ride, and eligible for marriage. And his stock was as high-born as it was mystical. Freyk's father was a Connacht chieftain, but his mother was of the fairy race of the Shi. More astounding still, Freyk's maternal aunt was Boan, the great river goddess of the River Boyne, husband to the Dagda and mother to Engus Og. Many of the stories that have lasted this long in era tell of mortals with divine heritage. But Freyk was never destined for the greatness of Fionn or of his contemporary Cúchulainn. Nevertheless, word reached Freyk's ears that one who sought his hand in marriage was Finnabar, the daughter of King Alil and Queen Maeve. She had her father's cunning and her mother's strength and ferocity. She was also the most beautiful woman in Connacht. But anyone who said that within earshot of her mother would lose more than their tongue. Freyk decided he would be foolish not to investigate the rumours of Finnabar's love, but he couldn't show up at the court of the Princess of Connacht empty-handed. His fairy mother told him to visit his goddess aunt, the spirit of the River Boyne, Boan. Freyk did not know how to approach a goddess. He had never asked Boan for anything before. He had wanted to make his own way in the world, so sheepishly he spoke. Forgive me. I do not even know how to address you. You are my aunt, but also a goddess. Does the latter outweigh the familial relation? Boan smiled the warmest, most calming smile and said, You are mortal, Freyk, but you are family. That is what matters. This gave Freyk the courage to make his case. I have fifty loyal men and I wish to seek the hand in marriage of Finnabar, daughter of Alil and Queen Maeve. Despite my lineage, I do not appear worthy. So what I'm more or less asking is, can you make me look like a prince? Boan was concerned. I will gladly grant your request, but I do give a warning. Beware of Queen Maeve. There is God's blood in her too. She may even be a goddess in human form. She will do terrible things. Great, but terrible. And no god in human form can ever be trusted. To Freyk and his men, Boan granted fifty marine blue velvet cloaks adorned with golden sigils, swords, shields, and spears to match, the hilts adorned with blinding jewels and glistening gold. 
The goddess also gifted a procession of hounds to precede the troop, and three fairy harpers, each with the face of a king. His courtship ready, Freyak and his procession marched on Cruachan. Alil and Maeve received word of Freyak's approach before he had even crossed into their domain. Chieftain, poet, and labourer alike gathered to watch the arrival of Freyak. Never before and never again during the rule of Queen Maeve was anything seen as magnificently beautiful as Freyak and his band. It was said eighteen people were trampled to death trying to get a glimpse. Alil and Maeve were well matched. They were both as cunning, savvy, and ruthless as each other. But Maeve was smarter and more dangerous. Each knew why Freyk was there, to take the hand of their daughter. Much as both of them loved Finnabar, they were at war with Ulster, and the hand in marriage of their daughter was one of their most valuable tactical advantages. They could win a powerful ally with whoever they chose. In essence, Finnabar's wedding could decide the fate of the war. So neither Alil nor Maeve were about to give up their daughter without finding out the eligibility of Freyk on the fronts of both suitability at home and war. But neither did they want to insult this formidable warrior. When Freyk arrived at the main hall of Crohan Fort, Queen Maeve gave this welcoming speech. Welcome, valiant warrior of Connacht. You are most graciously welcome at Crohan. Thank you for gracing us with your presence. Please, let down your guard, and let us feast and drink, and let you enjoy the hospitality of Queen Maeve. Maeve put her hand on Freyk's shoulder. Alil and Fergus MacRoke looked up. Alil was of course Maeve's husband and the King of Connacht, but the exiled Fergus MacRoke was Maeve's latest and most valuable lover. Again, they were at war. Freyk accepted the hospitality and told all his men and attendants to allow their cloak, armor, and weapons to be removed by the servants of Cruachan. Then the feast began. Food and drink, but also poetry, music, song, and story from Freyk's three fairy harpers. More than anything, there was chess the ancient Celtic chess game of Fikiel. Freyk played against Alil, Maeve, Fergus, and many other chieftains and military strategists. Chess is, after all, a game, but also a test of the logic and skill to think ahead. Two valuable qualities in a lover and a warrior. For three days and three nights, the feasting, entertainment, and chess tournament lasted. In all that time, Freyk never saw Finnabar. He decided to stay at Crohan another week, and after a fortnight of celebration, Freyk snuck out one night to discover Finnabar and her maid bathing in a nearby lake. Freyk had never seen anything like her. She was impressive in every way as her mother and father, but she seemed to have a grace and kindness that escaped both of her parents' ambitions. Freyk approached Finnabar and revealed his true intentions. Perfect, brilliant Finnabar, I had heard of your beauty, and to be honest, 
of your interest in me. But not until I saw you and could speak to you and hear your voice and know your mind could I know that I cannot spend my life with any other. But I have no interest in these royal politics. Elope with me tonight and let us leave Crohan together. Finnabar was gracious but firm. I have loved you from afar, Freyk, entirely through stories of your appearance and exploits. And you have proven yourself outstanding in both fields, more than I could have ever dreamed. But to elope would be beneath me, beneath my station, and beneath yours. You have earned my hand. You can afford my hand. We must do things the proper way. Freyak was delighted with the reciprocation of love, but disappointed to have to continue the negotiations with Alil and Maeve. But Finnabar went on. But as a promise, take this ring. It was given to me by my father to only give to the man I will marry. Take this, and we will be one with each other. This swayed the suitor that was Freyak. The next day, Freyak made his case to Alil and Maeve. This time, Alil spoke. You've come to marry our daughter, and from your time spent here, we can see that you are indeed worthy of her. But she is the daughter of Connacht, and so you would have to agree that she is well worth a hefty dowry. Maeve added, And also, for you to earn the hand of the daughter of Connacht, you must fight for Connacht. We are about to march on Ulster. If you join our war, Finnabar will be yours. Freyk did not like either of these conditions. As for the dowry, I agree of your daughter's worth, but I do not think it is right for someone such as I to pay a dowry for a queen to spend. Freyk was proud, and Maeve scowled. Also, Freyk went on, this cattle chase is not my fight. I would die for Connacht, but Connacht is not at war. You are. Freyk stormed out, and Alil and Maeve were listless. They feared Freyk's rejection would mean he and Finnabar would just elope anyway. So Alil suggested that they kill him. Don't be stupid, said Maeve. If every potential ally fears death for refusing to fight for us, we won't win many. But Alil was calm and collected. I will make it so that no one knows it's us. The next morning Freyak was invited to the lake for a swim. Maeve said it was mainly to show that there was no hard feelings and no bad blood between both parties. And also, Maeve said, we have heard you are such a good swimmer. We just have to see. Freyak stripped off to reveal his sculpted body. He dove into the frosty waters of the lake. Alil went to Freyk's clothing, and his fears were realized when he found Finnabar's ring. I was right, thought Alil. They are planning to elope. I'll kill him for this. But Freyk saw what had happened. He not only saw Alil find the ring, but Freyk saw the king toss the ring into the lake where it was eaten by a leaping salmon. Freyk put his swimming ski... Did again. Freyk put his swimming skills to the test as he pursued the fish, killed it, and tossed it on the riverbank. 
may have asked Freyk to swim out to a nearby island. There are beautiful berries of the rowan tree out there. Would you be so kind as to swim out and grab me some? Freyk obliged, swimming to the shore and scooping up a handful of juicy rowan berries. But when he returned, Maeve said, Oh, no, no, no. Not ones from the ground. Could you retrieve some from the vine? Freyk swam back out, but this time, at the island, Freyk was greeted by a giant, ferocious sea serpent. He thrashed like a limbless dragon, with the teeth of a shark and the jaws of a wolf, but the unmistakable lunge of a snake. Freyk was naked and defenceless, and called to the shore for aid, but Alil and Maeve stood stone-faced, and all their soldiers were too afraid to disobey their king and queen. The only one who listened was Finnabar, who grabbed Freyk's sword and dove into the lake. The weight nearly sank her, but Finnabar swam on. Alil began to panic and threw a spear at his own daughter, but Freyk caught the spear one-handed and launched it back at the king. The spear clipped Alil's cloak, and the king narrowly escaped with his life. Finnabar reached her love, gave him the sword, and Freyk drowned the sea serpent and cut off its head. Maeve and Alil were seething, embarrassed, but undeniably impressed. When Freyk and Finnabar arrived back to shore, Maeve could do nothing but accept the marriage proposal unconditionally, and Freyk was not stupid enough to refuse. But Alil was not satisfied. The jealous king of Connacht called for all his jewellery to be assembled before him. Daughter, he asked Finnabar, where is that ring I gave you last year? I'm sorry, father, I must have lost it. Isn't that a pity, said Alil. Perhaps you will find it. Otherwise, I will have to put you to death. Finnabar was shocked, as was Maeve, but in this at least, she supported her husband. Freyk knew exactly what was happening. He rushed back to the lakeside and found the salmon, brought it back to Cruahan and cooked it until the gold ring revealed itself. When the gold ring was presented back to Alil, the king had one more trick up his sleeve. How is it that you, Freyk, came into the possession of my daughter's ring? Because it seems you made plans behind the king and queen's backs, which of course would be treason. This time it was Finnabar who spoke. We met once, father, and when we met I gave Freyk this ring as a promise that he could have my love for one year. This was merely to give him the confidence and hope to approach you and mother. I am a princess of Connacht first, and always will be. I would never deceive you. I know my part to play in this war. King Alil and Queen Maeve could do no more. They consented to the marriage of their daughter Finnabar and their prospective son-in-law Freyk. They asked Freyk to fetch his cattle. Cattle were, after all, the true sign of someone's wealth. But when Freyk sent for them, he found that all his livestock had been stolen. So Freyk left Cruahan and travelled over to Albion, up through Alba and across to the Alps, where he fought and killed bandits to retrieve his precious cattle. Freyk then hastily returned to Cruahan for his marriage. But by the time he reached Connacht, 
Queen Maeve was marching for war. For his part, Frey consented to fight in the cattle raid of Cooley. The wedding would wait until after the war. Freyk left his love and went to Ulster. There he faced off against the hound Cook Cullen in single combat. When he met the hound at the ford of a river, Cook Cullen warned, If you step in this river, nephew of the river goddess, you will never get home to your love. But by that point Freyk had no option but to fight. He was as skilled as it was possible for mortal to be, but Cuchulain was beyond mortal. The Hound of Ulster half drowned Freyk before begging him to surrender, but Freyk refused. And there, in the river, Freyk was drowned at the hands of Cuchulain. Fenabar, daughter of Alil and Queen Maeve, never got to marry the love of her life and her hand in marriage was promised to many more warriors by Maeve and Alil. The promise of Finnabar's hand even got Ferdia to fight his best friend and blood brother, Cúchulain. And when Finnabar learned of all the death that had occurred on her behalf, the princess of Connacht died of heartbreak. But still to this day, at Tulsk, near Rathcrown, the former site of Cruachan Fort, there is a cave known as Aunagawat, the cave of cats, the entrance to the other world, where Queen Maeve is said to have sent her men to prove their valour. And about the cave of cats, there is a stone with an engravement in the ancient Irish alphabet of Orm, which reads, Here lies Freak, son of Maeve. Despite never being formally brought into the family, Queen Maeve honoured the sacrifice of the man who had won her daughter's heart. To be continued. Eve Kavanagh. And I'm Gerald Farrelly. And we are the hosts of Agony Rants. We have been friends for a long time and on Agony Rants, we do what we've always done. Talk about people behind their backs and make suggestions on how they can improve their lives. No, we cheer them up on Monday morning and help them with their problems. By meddling in areas in which we are dangerously unqualified. Why don't you join us each week for a new episode? You'll find us wherever you do your listening with special bonus content for subscribers on headstuffpodcast.com. Agony Rants, out now on the Headstuff Podcast Network. And there we have Here Lies Freak, Son of Maeve, on Fireside. And I really, really hope you all enjoyed it half as much as I did researching, writing, and particularly, particularly performing that one. It was a hard find, something to do for episode 200, and I think I found the perfect thing. Um, and I hope you all agree. Um, because it just felt so right. There was, for those who've been listening to this podcast a long time, or even those who've listened recently, who've listened to the stories of the Ulster cycle that we did three years ago, it was at the end of the first year, um, I think Becoming Cuchulain was episode 50. You know, it was now 150 episodes ago. Um, 
and the Ulster cycle was already of the four cycles of Irish mythology, they do have an order and they overlap of sorts, but like the order is mythological, Ulster, Fenian, and historical or king cycle. And when I was doing, when I started the podcast, I wanted to do these in chronological order, um, except for the Ulster cycle. Even though the Ulster cycle came second, I didn't want to do that in the first couple of months. It was too big. It was too epic a story. Uh, it was the great, it was the Odyssey, the Iliad of Ireland, you know. Um, and so I left it until last. And I was glad that I got kind of nearly a whole year to learn how to how to do a podcast and how to become a better writer and a better storyteller and a better performer. Um, and so I left it as long as I could and was really glad I did because I was happy with, with even the brief brief adaptation that I did um, but it was just such a realized it's such a fully realized world because it's so protected it's one of the most protected tales that we still have in Ireland um, is the cattle raid of Cooley and that's through constant versions over the years from either Lady Gregory to the like the very very quintessential and seminal book by Thomas Kinsella adaptation with the Louis Labrocchi illustrations which is currently like uh, which is just my possibly my favorite book of all time and my favorite illustrations in any book i want every illustration and it's tattooed on my body um but because of that this is a very very realized world and these characters always feel very real um and they certainly do to me and so for episode 200 it was so great to go back to these these guys you know we haven't we had had a little bit of Coo cullen when we did uh, the sick bed of Coo cullen which kind of uh, mysteriously or kind of forebodingly came out just like before the pandemic started. Uh, I remember Paddy from Headstuff saying when I went in, it's like, sick bed of Cullen, yeah, and look what's going on now. Um, so I, that's always how I remember when that episode came out. But um, we haven't, we haven't met Allo or Queen Maeve, we met Finnebar or Fergus McRoke, like Queen Maeve particularly, you know, she is, she's Ireland's warrior king, she's our woman king, you know, she is, she represents so much of what's incredible and powerful and formidable and human about Irish mythology and why it stands, she's such a reason why it stands on its own two feet and is capable of standing on its own two feet. Um, and she's just such a wonderful character to be in the presence of and it's love to be be with her again and what I liked about this tale is like the storytelling in this is actually incredible I'll attach the uh, the a link to the adaptation that I was doing from it um, but everyone gets a part to play and there actually is a real like a clever plot to it from you know them wanting to suss out Freik, the the threat of war in the background there's you know there's stakes there's a time limit um, there's them wanting him, wanting to marry him to the daughter, wanting his to, her to fight. There's him, there's Freik having his own desires, Finnebar having her own desires. Freik wants to elope with Finnebar. Finnebar wants Freik but doesn't want to elope. Uh, then when they can't get, when Freik refuses the dowry, they want to kill him. And there's, there's drama and stakes and character in this. And that rings true from so much of the Ulster Cycle and a lot of the stories and, you know, maybe some of the other stories that, maybe I just haven't adapted them well enough or haven't given enough time to them or need to revisit them or whatever, but this one made my job a lot easier. You know, all of this was there, but all the whole story being there means that, like, I can put a lot more of myself into it. There was nothing really about Ke- Freyk's character in, um, in the version I was adapting, as there very frequent, infrequently is, or very frequently isn't in... 
uh, the heroes of these tales. These heroes are usually quite blank-faced, boring people, and there's not really any description for them. But I just, if this was going to be a guy who was going to fight Cucullin and going to kind of win Finnebar's hand, I kind of had to think he was a great warrior, but kind of maybe didn't want to do it and was the nephew of a goddess, but maybe hadn't spoken to her. And me getting to put that kind of stuff in makes it feel a little bit more mine um, and a little bit like more my own version. But that only I'm only able to do that when there's so much already there. When there's so much when there's such a rock solid skeleton that I can just flesh out then because, you know, sometimes the story is so strong I don't want to miss a beat and don't want to change a thing. But here there's space, there's breath to make this your own version, as any of you can. Any of you can telling this to your friends, to your children, to whoever spreading this on. You can be Freck, you can be Maeve, you can, they can be your people, you can put anything of you into them. They are fully realized characters, and any good fully realized character is someone that we can see ourselves in, or aspects of ourselves, or parts of ourselves. Um, and that is what makes this quite special. One thing to talk about that's interesting is that this is known as the cattle raid of Freck, but the actual cattle raid part is um, almost not a thing. It's kind of split into two stories or two parts, and one is the courtship, which is the much longer part, and then there's a tiny little, basically like like half a page of this story of Freck going to get his cattle from the Alps, which is bizarre. And it's very specifically said that he travels over to the Alps, so he goes over to like... France, Germany, Switzerland, you know, like wherever all around there to like probably to like the, the old school Gauls, you know, at that time, the, the other other Celts, um, the real Celts to some people, but we are the the insular Celts is what the the Irish and the Scottish and the Manx and our ilk are known as. Um, but so there's that section and that's the actual cattle raid part and that's what makes the Antonbo Frech. But um, it's very, very minor to the actual story of this character and how he fits into the grand story. Um, and of course, it was great just to be, get to reintroduce. Like, I gave so much context at the beginning to refresh all of you who might not have listened to the stories for a while or may not even have listened to the Ulster Cycle stories we did three years ago. Um, but for myself as well, to get myself back in that really exciting world and get excited to meet these characters again. Um, I almost wasn't going to put the part about the, the cattle raid at all, but I wanted to put it as a detail, you know, just to even just have it there so I could explain about the, the background of it and how it fits. And so you see basically the form that these these rave scale, these cattle, these other tawns basically take in that they exist around the world of the cattle raid of Cooley and it seems in a lot of them if not all of them they are what leads into it and so I wanted to then talk about what happened to Freyk as well because Freyk becomes just basically one of the many nameless fighters who Cullen kills at the fort he fights hundreds of people in single combat you know the most notorious of which is, of course, Ferdia, um, which is one of my favorite stories of all time. Definite top five firesides um, is Ferdia at the forward um, of this, you know, this Connacht warrior fighting against this Ulster warrior, but they'd grown up together, they had trained together. It's where they would never 
fight each other and then just at the last minute them having to and nearly killing each other and Cullen constantly not wanting to and oh it's just brilliant stuff and Freya would just fell by the wayside there you know and Cullen even saying that he didn't want to kill him as he didn't want to kill any of them because he knew he was this monstrous warrior and that he would kill anyone who fought him and took no desire in that and so it just it allowed it to get a bit more context to that as well also great getting Boan in there it's like it it just brought all of everyone back you got the band back together because Boan was one of the the later myths as well we did during covid um when we did the story of how Angusog was born and how the dagda how it was how the dagda froze time so that Boan could gestate their baby and that he was born at the age of 18 and so now we have another familial connect- connection to the to the Danan in Freck. And this is this is it, you know, he exists in this one tale and as a minor character in the greater tale, but like basically a footnote in the greater tale. And this is his beginning, middle and end. And so it felt like a very suitable and epic story for episode 200. And I hope you all agree. And please do, of course, let me know what you thought of it. But how how am I feeling now? You know, where where do we go from here? Um, well, I'm feeling very, very reinvigorated now because, as I said, I was hugely anxious and nervous about recording this episode and what would it be. But now that it is recorded and I feel very satisfied with it, um, I also have I've a, I have a very strong idea about where the next year of the podcast will go. Um, for starters, I have uh, I've written this little piece. I'm going to release it as an article on the Headstuff website in the next couple of days. Um, I might even record it as a as a separate podcast that I might re- release as a Headstuff Plus exclusive, um, or I might just release it as an episode. I'll, I'll make up my mind on that. Um, but I just wrote a piece about the four years of Fireside, about the background of it, where I came from, and ultimately what I've learned from four years of it and what my plans are for the future. Um, and one immediate thing to say anyway is that I... The format of said, as I frequently talk about, is that I always liked it. It always began that it was myth one week and folk tale another week, and that it would go back and forth. That always the myths always gave it structure and a grand scale and a thing that a lot of people could recognize and jump into. And the folk tales always gave it a kind of spontaneity and a, a randomness, essentially that like a freedom that they could be any folk tales at all, and they didn't have to necessarily be connected with the myths, but sometimes they were. And that was always the bread and butter structure. And as we made our way through the myths, and then we started touching on other things, whether it was history of Brian Baru or with Gronya Whale or Ned Kelly, or it was touching on the Norse myths or our big look into Welsh mythology. But I've always wanted to come back to the Celtic myths. But every time I come back, I don't want to come back with just one tale. I want to come back with something everything needs to feel like a chapter or a new season you know and um, which is why the battle of ventry was great when we did we got to kind of go back into Fionn mccool and get a few tales out of Fionn again so i want to go back to the old structure of the folktale one week and the myth the other week and these cattle raid myths will take us through the next several months for sure and we'll alternate those with folktales continuing because they're still a basically endless amount of folktales that I continue to find and I'll continue to look for 
um, and always send them on to me if you find any yourself from any of your counties that I may not have covered. But also a huge thing I've always wanted and always liked doing on this podcast is I've always seen it as a storytelling podcast, an Irish storytelling podcast, but not specifically a story about Irish mythology and folklore. That is that is its roots, its bread and butter, and that will always be what Fireside is. But I've always felt and enjoyed the sense that this podcast could cover other mythologies as well, as long as I could root them in some way to Ireland or to compare them to the Irish myths, just for a sense of cultural authenticity, you know. Um, but there's no doubt that it's it's other cultures, mythology, that were a huge part of why I got into mythology in the first place. And I talk a huge amount about this in the the piece I wrote for the the 200th, um, the article I wrote. Um, so basically... We will do a myth one week, a folktale another week, and then every third week we are now going to do a world tale. It could be a German folktale, a Greek myth, an Arabian folktale, anything. I want to sample more um, of folklore and mythology from around the world, always bringing it back to the Irish and not focusing on it entirely, but just I want to meet people. I want to, I want to do a story. Like, I want to do a story about Hades and Persephone. I want to do an adaptation of Rumpelstiltskin. I want to do a story of Anansi, the West African trickster god. Uh, we did Maui last week, of course, which was amazing and so much fun. And I, I wanted you to you all do that. I hope you all enjoyed that as well, which felt authentic because I was here in, in New Zealand and just wanted to mark that, you know, um, and mark my time here and mark my travels around and bringing this podcast around the world. So that is how I feel it's going to be. Um, it's going to be every three weeks. That's going to be the new cycle. And that will be how the next year goes. And we'll see how it goes. I mean, if people don't like it, if people, if it's not working, if I feel it's not working, we're going to figure it out together as we always have. Um, and the other thing is, I we've now so many episodes and some of them were written a long time ago and some of them... I was either not happy with the script or not happy with the recording or because you could always spend more time. Like this podcast takes so much time a week to do anyway. But as I say, I would always love two, three, four drafts of any of these stories. And I always want to keep developing them. Don't want to forget about the ones from before. So I'm thinking every like 10 episodes or so, maybe like every two months or every 10 episodes, I'm going to do a legacy episode, a, a, a fireside relit, where I will take a story from years ago and I will rewrite it and re-record it and see how it is now, four years later, how what has changed with what I've learned, with what I know now, with what I know of the world, of everything, with what we've experienced all together, how will that change the stories? Just every so often, it won't be like a rehash, I don't think, because these stories should continue to grow, continue to have legs. What is the Giant's Causeway four years on? What is the Man with No Story? What is the Soul Cages? What is Ferdy at the Ford? What are any of these tales like now versus then? Even this stories that are thousands of years old, only four years later, but still. Uh, so these are the things that are feeling and these are the things that are exciting me and I think is going to make the podcast better because if I'm excited and interested in it, and invigorated uh, then I think that makes the better project and as always let me know on your thoughts on that but that's where I am 
right now. So with that in mind, next week we'll have something totally different again. We're going to have our Christmas episode. Um, it'll be the last. I'm still in. I'm recording this in a hotel room in Omuru on the South Island of New Zealand. I didn't say that at the beginning. I'm in a hotel room there. Um, and I'm delighted. It's after the show. It's about half half past midnight now. So just finished a performance of the World of Musicals tonight. We've about another eight shows here. We're here for about another week. And then we fly home for Christmas. So next week, just before Christmas, we will have our Christmas special, Fireside Christmas, um, in which I'm going to be reading something very classic, uh, something I haven't done. I've touched on before, but I just wanted to do because it's making me look forward to being at home at Christmas, and it's something I've always wanted to do. So we're going to do a reading of a chapter of A Christmas Carol, and maybe a few other little bits. But that will be next week. But again, I cannot thank each and every one of you enough. Um, I'm glad this was a big, beefy, long episode. I let you all know about the article, about what I do with that, because I really want to share that with you all as well. Um, I thought it would be quite short, so I thought I'd maybe read it out here. It ended up being like longer than an average episode, as this was. Um, so we couldn't have one leaving it asking an hour and a half. Um, so we'll see where we go with that. Um, but all the usual things, follow me on our Instagram, share this on your stories, tell a friend, continue to go to the fireside. Let's keep going for another for another while at least. And buy my book, Garden Sea. Buy it for Christmas, buy it for others, buy it for yourself. Uh, Neo Myth of Home, my dear book of poetry. You can buy that in paperback on Headstuff or in Kindle version from Amazon. You can support this podcast at Headstuff Plus. Um, at headstuffpodcast.com all of the links are in the description below for as little as five euro a month or you can pay more if you want um i don't now i don't want to after not wanting to press record now i don't want to press stop um but there is nothing more i can say other than thank you i hope you've enjoyed this one i hope you've enjoyed all of them or most of them or even just some of them but thank you for listening whether it's for this one or for all of them uh, thank you so so much you are all the reason why I continue to do this. I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Thank <laughs> you.